Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you first come to visit Paris, you run around the city trying to see all of the sights, take all of the photos, and eat all of the croissants you possibly can. But those of us that have made France our home know that French dining culture is much more intentional. Inviting friends to your home, sitting around the table to laugh, talk, drink a little wine perhaps. When was the last time you sat around the table? Not in front of the TV or standing around grabbing snacks off a plate, but the last time you sat around the table with guests in your home and enjoyed a meal. Today's expat in Paris guests share their philosophy and thoughts on the French à table culture and being more intentional about our meals and making mealtime a bit more beautiful. Enjoy. Well, hello, hello. We have with us today a good friend of mine. Uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, and how you got to Paris. Hi. Well, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> My name is Breeti Gill. I'm from California, and I've been living in Paris for more than 10 years now. The story of how I got here, like most people that come to Paris, is one that involves a lot of little journeys in them, but basically I went to go and study abroad in Sweden. And in Sweden, I, at that time, met my, at that time, boyfriend who was French, who, you know, invited me over to come and be in Paris. And I did, I took him up on the offer and it was wonderful. It was wonderful to be in Paris. And it was really the first time for me coming here. And then I just decided to stay forever and I've been here since the boyfriend is gone but I'm still here and it was such a beautiful way to come here and he's still such a great person and we were together for so long so that really helped me to understand French culture because I had this front row seat with his family and the different traditions and they were really into food and going out just like myself so I felt like over the course of close to 13 years, uh, we got, I got to really experience France through the eyes of, you know, someone who's French. And that was a very beautiful introduction. And I think that laid the groundwork for why I wanted to continue staying here, you know, even though that relationship ended. And so, yeah, I think there's a little love affair with France, but just a little bit, just a little bit. It's good to see it through French eyes like that, because 
no matter how long you stay here as an American, you still have an American viewpoint of things. And so you'll still see things only a certain way. But until you kind of break into the um, French friends or French partner, there's still largely a part of, I think, Paris and France that you don't really get to know. Do you have, a, when it comes to food culture in France and things that you experienced, do you have like a favorite French food tradition or something that you just really like this? Yes, I love it when this happens around food. You know, I definitely do. And that is the galette de roi. So oh. king's cake. I came to France. So the context also is I'm born and raised in India. So when I was 10, I moved to California and never really traveled it wasn't until, you know, my very early 20s that I actually went and studied abroad and did all that. So everything was kind of new to me. It was, I never had traveled in Europe that much. And so through my ex-boyfriend, I ended up learning so many fun cultural food things because his family was also so into food. And so the galette de roi, I will always remember them explaining the whole process to me. And I think it was just like enchanting to know that they do this every January and that it just happens on the first. And then you have that little um, fev, you know, the inside that the kids find and you're king or queen for the day. I find it very charming. I love the idea that it's still preserved in the culture. And it's something that I always look forward to. I think the cake is absolutely delicious. I mean, there's more, there's more, but that one stands out to me yeah. the most. And that one's the funnest for me. You know, I like the whole idea of when you go into the boulangerie and then all the, the fake uh, paper crowns are all around. Yeah. It feels like everybody gets so involved into it. It's just a beautiful thing for me. I think it's great that it's associated to this beautiful cake as well. And just a history. So do you think that's something that's different about uh, French food culture and uh, um, gatherings versus American food culture as far as just bringing people around the table in general? I feel like in France, they do that a lot more often, not just at holidays in uh, the States. Okay, yeah, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, maybe Easter, we'll have this big meal around the table. But here, I feel like it's more often it's like when friends come over for apico or you just it's a sunday or just any time people actually sit down together at a table tanisha this is so true and this was one of the first things that i also felt that felt so warm and so inviting within the food culture in france here's a little story i used to actually work at a culinary school for years and years and everybody had to take a lunch you were not actually allowed to eat in front of your computer. I think I want to someone fact check me on this, but I think it was a law at one moment where you're not allowed to sit in front of your computer and eat. I have heard this. I've never done the detailed work, but listen, it was very much respected at this culinary school that I worked at. And we had this dedicated cafeteria space where everybody would sit at the table and eat together. I mean, obviously, sometimes they would maybe go out and bring stuff, but everybody would come back and eat together. The chefs would prepare the food in the sous-sol, which is like the basement. And then every day you'd had, you know, food available for the employees. And I remember right there, those conversations that I had with my French colleagues, how much it was reinforced that eating collectively 
and stopping was very important for them. Though I do feel the culture is changing and deviating away from that slowly and slowly, I still think to some extent it's very much respected and honored on the weekends or at family time. And yes, I personally, from my experience, have felt that it's much more common to sit and gather here than it is back in the States. In the States, I still tend to feel it's a very fast paced culture and you don't really do that. I also listen to Gary V a lot and he's like, I have five minutes to eat my lunch. You know, I don't know if you know who he is, yeah. but it's, it's interesting. He, you know, it's interesting just the mentality because it's a different mentality as far as collectively eating goes. I feel. Is that something that surprised you here? A little bit again, because I had never really, I was never really exposed to Europe this extensively until my partner, you know, I met someone who was French and then I recognized how much his family ate collectively. I come from a family where in India, my parents moved to the United States and they were working constantly. That sitting down culture kind of disappeared because we did have this kind of immigrant culture of like, we got to work, we got to set things up. Um, There's always food in the house. There's always food available. There was never, that was always there. Just like sitting down really that time wasn't there. It was different. It looked different. And when I came to France, I was like, oh, this is, this is very important. Despite what's going on, you sit together and we don't do that. You know, not in my family, we didn't do it. You know, I obviously definitely can't speak for everybody, but no, I don't see, I don't see that as often as I do in France. What to you is like the power that comes from bringing people together around a table? I know that this is something that is fairly important to you because um, you mentioned your um, social media handle because that has to do with coming together around a table. I don't think a lot of people know this. I named my social media Little Life Table because I was in this relationship and very fortunate to have lived in a very big apartment. We'd gotten this great apartment. And so we have this big dining table where people would come over and they would eat together. And I loved it. I love hosting dinner parties and the table was big enough to, you know, to host about six, seven people. And that's big for Paris. And so um, it was this proper dinner table. And I just remember the exchanges and it was so lovely. And then, you know, when that relationship ended, I ended up moving out and I had a smaller dinner table. I mean, maybe two people could sit on it. And I kept telling myself, you know what? You're going to get another bigger table this week, next week. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I never made the time. A year went by, two years went by, three years went by. And on this little tiny table that I had in my living room, friends would come over and we would talk about breakups. And we would talk about how hard it is for paperwork to get processed in France. And we talk about how our families feel that we live in Paris and just hardships And I recognized that that little table served me so well and that I didn't need more as I had been thinking I needed this bigger table because it became the symbol that actually just that little table was enough as long as I had people around it, gathering around it and really exchanging and taking that time. There's a dynamic shift that happens when you sit at a table and you're there and there's food placed in front of you and you're there, as opposed to when you sit maybe on a couch, that's a different kind of dynamic. And so it's much more intimate for me in a way. And 
I think when you sit around a table, there's kind of a different kind of a different introduction that happens and a different kind of energy that's brought collectively. You're so close the way you're sitting, you're looking at each other, your body language is different. The hands are moving across the table. You're throwing dishes are moving left and right. And so I like that. And I think there's a beautiful dance in it and it, and it kind of forces you to speak in a way, you know? So I very much love the mentality of this little life table where you're sitting around any kind of table and having a discussion. And maybe you're not even having a discussion, but you're sharing a great meal. And that in itself feels so good. You feel more connected to the people that you are with. It's not this superficial, hello, how are you? What do you do? Where do you work? It's not that superficial kind of meet up or chat. It is much deeper than that, especially when you bring food and wine into the situation because this is France. So and yes, wine still drop out. So <laughs> do you have a favorite wine or something that you serve often when you are making a meal? No, that's why I need you. I need, that's why I need you. That's why I call you when I'm anywhere at any store, mono free or wherever. I'm like, what do I get? Um, To people watching this, Tanisha has been very helpful in being like, get this one, get this one. It's a season. You know what? I have to tell you, and I'm going to butcher this. And this is so people can make fun of me. It's totally fine. It's because I've worked at this culinary school for so long. I'm just not that big of a wine drinker, but I have to say that I love a Nicholas Bourguignon, Bourguignon, Bourguignon. Bo- yes, yes, yes. From the Loire Valley? Yes, Nicolas, yes. Uh, Every Paul. time that's been around, I'm like, ooh, that's a beautiful one. And oh. it's been, it's been a really long time actually that I've had wine. I know that sounds really crazy, but it just, I haven't had it. But when I'm around it, I'm always like, ooh, I'm intrigued and I want to learn more. And I always ask you and like, what is this? You know, I would say that's a beautiful wine that I always remember thinking, "Mm, I love how this tastes. And I would love to learn more about, you know, this specific wine. Oh, well, I'll make sure that we do a lesson on that. Oh my God. I would love a lesson. (laughs) And then do that grape and things specifically. Yeah. Do you find that since you're not that into, into wine per se, um, how do you find that as far as French food culture? Because there seems to always be like in American culture, there's always ketchup on the table. I feel like in French culture, there's always wine on the table. I think it's so good. I think it's so, so great. I think it's a great introduction right off the bat into this is good food and this is good wine. And this is, you know, what we do here. It's a very established within their culture, obviously, you know, ever since I came here, there's no real taboo of that, you know, when it's on the table and even the places I've worked, sometimes they've had wine in the middle of the day because, you know, that's just part of the culture. And it's, I've seen that and it hasn't surprised me. Have I, had I seen that in the U S that's definitely a different story. And so I think seeing wine on the table is just another reminder of how much France obviously is just a leader in that, in that world, you know, and it's rare for me to really have a bad wine experience here. It just feels like 
it's something that is so embedded within the culture is like you have a glass of wine at the table or, you know, you have a drink before you start dinner, which is specifically like, you know, during your aperos or something like that. And so I do notice that, you know, that it's more present every single day than it is from what I've experienced in other places. Absolutely. It's more just a part of things instead of you do something and then you bring wine in. It is, it's more integrated, I'll say. Absolutely. It really is. And it's funny because I don't, you know, if you're not used to that and you come here, you could be like, wow, there's wine all the time, everywhere. You will see people having a lovely little drink on, you know, at a cafe at maybe 11 a.m., maybe 12 o'clock. And that's just really normal. If we go out right now, it's, I'll probably walk past between here and the Metro. I'll probably walk past three people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Definitely. I, you got to love that about France, you know, and that's, that's all over the world, but it's, it's, you see it so often here. And here, and I'll say Europe too, because Spain and Italy are kind of the same as well. It's not, it's more controlled too. It's not done to excess. Um, and I think there's more of an appreciation for it instead of a, this is just something I'm supposed to do. And it, it has changed my drinking habits, the way I drink. I'm much more, um, I won't say appreciative is the word because I mean, I always appreciate wine because it's delicious, but I'm more conscious of what I'm drinking. Um, I think about it. I pay attention to it. It's not just like, all right, and drink and drink and drink. It now takes me a little longer to figure out what I want to drink. Um, do I want wine tonight? Do I want a, a G&T to, you know, what a, do I want to just have my meal and then maybe just have a whiskey at the end? What, how do I want this to go? I think with age in general, I'm also wanting to have quality things. I want to have quality wine if I can, you know, if I can, I want to talk to an expert and I want to say, you know, give me a really great glass of red wine or a bottle of red wine. I would love to learn about it. And I think that's normal as you get older, but wine so specifically, you know, there's so much to be, to learn behind it. It's, it's something that fascinates me. It's, it's obviously so paired to the work I do in food, but I've never been as involved in wine as I have been with food, you know? So you mentioned your favorite tradition in food is the galette de roi. Do you Love have it, a yeah. favorite meal that you like to make or have? You know what? I have to say I'm pretty good at making a quiche Lorraine. I don't know if you've ever had one. Yes. I haven't <laughs> had yours though. So we can yes, a quiche Lorraine. Recording. Okay. Well, yeah. I used to live in Nancy. It's basically Nancy in English spelled the same way as Nancy and that's where it comes from. It's like, you know, um, and I just fell in love with it. I would go at lunchtime and I'd always go get a slice with a little bit of like salad. And that's just a very, again, that goes right back to, I love how regional foods are in France. I love that so much. And people are so protective. They're like, that comes from my region. You know, you go over to Brittany or Bretagne, and you have, you're exposed to so many other different foods and you go to the South, it's different. And so I would have to say that one, um, you know, one that's really curious, Bouillabaisse, I've, I've had it and I didn't appreciate it maybe the way I should have, but I want to try it again. That's one that I'm a little bit more curious about. I have to say that last year I went to Lyon and I had proper, proper, frog legs. When I say proper, they were so 
perfectly cooked and seasoned that that has become like on the top of my list of like mm, French foods. I mean, I know it's not just dedicated to reserved to France, but that was something that I was like, oh my God, I love living here. Okay. I, the way you said proper a few times, I clearly have not had proper um, frog legs. So I need to, I might just be saying that because they were so good. And I'm like, is this how they're done properly? Someone watching this is like, there's probably no way that they're done properly. Right. Okay. So it was at this place called Baba Gunui. Mm -hmm. And it was at the center of Paul Bukus. And so the man that was making these, you could just see that the way that he was covering them up in the persiade, which is the garlic butter sauce, it was so well done. The whole leg was fully covered. It was the way that it was cooked. The texture of it was perfect. It wasn't chewy, like super, super chewy. The heat was, the heat level was perfect. And then I when we got to know more about this place, it's known to be one of kind of a, one of the better places to have frog legs. And so I think that experience now has laid the foundation of what I consider proper. I mean, I'm sure there's many places that do exactly the same thing, but that definitely set the tone for me where I was like, okay, yeah, I, if I ever have frog legs anywhere in the world and they're not like this, that's uh-huh. not going to be, yeah, I still have that experience to cherish, you know? Now, was there any wine pairing with these frog legs? Yes. Yes, there was. And that was the best part of it because it just tasted so good. We got a wine. We got a white wine, more dry. It wasn't fruity, I remember, because, again, this was around 12 o'clock. It was midday. And we got a bottle, actually. There was three of us. And uh, it was sec but it was not too dry because sometimes when white wines are a little too dry, I'm like, Ooh, what? Like it needs a little, yeah. You're just drinking to like drink. (laughs) You're like, wait, I want, where's the flavor in this though? But it was so perfect with the persiade that was the frog legs were like enrobed in. So that was, that was beautiful. It was a perfect pairing for that moment. Again, I'm limited and I'm very conscious of that with my wine knowledge but it was great it was great and that's all that that's all that matters right sometimes you're like hmm that's it so we got frog legs and quiche lorraine all right and then mm-hmm. i think it's more the persead also you know what you know what you also have in escargot and so that whole thing i'm like just give me that so i can pour it on yeah with the nice crisp yeah for me chablis um a, a crisp uh white burgundy Chef's kiss. Ooh. Well, all right, Preeti. Thank you so much for chatting. With oh, it's me. done. This was so fun. I'm like, this is already over. In and out. Tell us where, <laughs> if we want to follow you, because you are sort of a big deal on TikTok. Yeah, I'm just a little life table on every social media platform. And yeah, I'm active. I'm active. I think there's nothing. I love sharing my day-to-day life here in Paris. Like so many people, it's just, it's a beautiful city to live in. I feel very lucky to live here. I feel, you know, like there's so much great stuff to be shared as far as more food goes and things like that. So, yeah. So if you want to know the best things to eat, the best places to um, eat, where to get the best bread from, again, it's thank- so fun. Isn't it fun? Yes, I want to continue. I just want to sit here and and the whole day talk to you about, question you about wine and what you recommend I get with frog legs next time.
not a secret that France loves cheese and wine, so not surprising that an entire culture revolves around the consumption of these two great gifts to the culinary world. Come and discover one of the best parts of French culture with the cheese and wine class or a wine tasting class. Join my classes. They're a great opportunity to experience the French terroir. During these two-hour classes, you'll sample some of the finest cheeses and finest wines, learn the techniques and language of cheese tasting and wine tasting, and also the concept of terroir. You'll spend a great evening in a relaxed atmosphere with beautiful surroundings in the heart of Montmartre with me at Cooking with Class Cooking School and get a great head start to fully understand and appreciate our love for French cheese and wine and help you approach them with greater confidence. Visit cookingwithclass.com, C-O-O-K-N-W-I-T-H-C-L-A-S-S, and search Paris Classes for more information or to book your date. afternoon. Hello, Azuri. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Where are you from and how'd you get to Paris? So I am born in Nigeria, raised in Austin, Texas, became a New Yorker and then moved to Paris almost 10 and a half years ago. Okay. So you went all of... I sure did. <laughs> and what brought you to Paris? Did you just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think Paris is a good idea. I'm tired of New York and America, so let's go to Paris. Or was there a love situation involved? Uh, well, yeah, mine was love. I mean, I first came here as a student. You know, our grad program brought us here. And so that's what you know brought me here like for an extended period of time. And then I went back to New York, and then I met this guy, and... Yeah, now I'm back. It's a god. I think with all the people that I've interviewed, I think I might be the only one. The interviewer <laughs> herself is the only one who didn't, who doesn't have that love story yet. But you all keep me, you know, keep me in your thoughts. All right, <laughs> manifest that over my life this year, okay? <laughs> and you are also affectionately known as Madame de la Maison. So Madame de la Maison is a business that I started four years ago. It's been exactly four years. It's only been four years? Girl, I feel like it's been the decade. I know. I mean, but when I was a kid, my aunt always called me Madame Azuri. I was definitely someone who loved, you know, fancy things and fancying things up and pomp and circumstance. And when I first moved to Paris, inviting people over was, you know, the way that you made friends for me. You know, I'd meet someone and be like, hey, you'd like to come over for dinner, for a drink, for coffee. And I was just always, you know, hosting and I had a friend who was, you know, kind of telling me, like, you're so good at this, you should do it. And, you know, the wheels start turning and thinking. And I study the decorative arts and I love the decorative arts and I come from fashion. So, you know, one too many glasses of wine in the countryside and Madame de la Maison was born. And for those of you who do not know, what exactly is Madame de la Maison? Um, the business is a linen and antique sales and rental business. So we rent for special events. Um, but I also have an online store um, where I sell my linens and the antiques that I find all around France. And people also hire me um, as a table stylist. So if we want to talk about, which we do, French dining culture and coming together around a table, I am in the right place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. When it comes to bringing to people together around a table, you mentioned that that's something that you like to do in the beginning. 
Um, what is the power that comes from that? What is like the the thing? Why is that something that's important or makes you feel good? Well, first of all, you know, when you think about, you know, major life events, you know, weddings, funerals, I don't know, important meetings, they all take place at a table. You know, the table is a place that you just, you know, you bring people from all different different walks of life together. And I find that there's power in that because it's like our our spirits collide, our emotions collide, we get together and that's a place where we can share and, you know, break bread and connect. Um, and so I think that's what's very powerful when you bring people all together in this moment. Do you think that's something different in France versus in the U.S.? Like in the U.S., when we come around for to gather around the table is usually for a big event. Like you mentioned, a wedding, a funeral, um, a major holiday. Whereas in France, it's Tuesday. Exactly. Um, what I think is very different and very special about France is, you know, for them, gathering at the table is is a way of life here. It's something that they do every day of the week. You know, everyone I talk to, you know, I'm writing this book um, about how we find joy in life. And for French people, how they find joy in life is sitting down at the table, you know, when you spend your whole day at work or it's kids at school, like the table is where you come together and you share, you know, with what's been happening all day long. And it's the way that they do it is so important that in 2010, UNESCO gave them, you know, this World Heritage Award um, because it is very special the way that the French do it. Let's get more into that. How exactly do the French do it? Is there a certain thing that they serve or a certain way that they set the table, seat the people? What is that certain, je ne sais quoi? <laughs> well, for one thing, I would say the first thing is that they actually do it. Talking to a lot of people, the idea of eating at your computer and eating in front of the TV is like, Jamais. My friends are, you know, the people that I've been talking to, they're like, no, no, say impossible. Never would I eat in front of my computer. No, eat in front of the TV. Why? You know, so that's the first thing is that they actually do it. Um, the second thing that I think that's so lovely is, you know, they set the table. Everybody, you know, they have their their plates that their grandmother gave them or that they've gone to get at a flea market. They set the table and they all sit at the table and then they have three courses at the table. You know, they have the entreplat dessert and you know, I, they have those three things, you know, it's not just like, here's your main a thing. burger, fries, and a yeah. Coke. Okay. Yeah, and then we all run off. Like, it doesn't work that way. Thinking about three entrees, does that ever become overwhelming? Like, planning out three, you know, entree plan dessert or every day. Is that an everyday thing, not just special occasions? Uh, I think it is every day for most people. I mean, the kids at school do that every day. Like for their lunch is three courses. So it doesn't have to. I think the thing is like, you know, in American culture, we think that has to be like some big, gigantic thing. But maybe the entreprise dessert is just, you know, you have something very small to start. And also, don't forget, if it's a dinner party, there's an apéro and then entreprise dessert. And you don't skip out on the apéro. You, you know, don't. it's you That's know. actually my favorite. Part. Yeah. But you know what? The apéro doesn't have to be like some fancy anything. It could just be some nuts and chips, yeah. some pretzels, you know, or some people go to Picard and they get, you know, it's a frozen market here and they get little things. You have some champagne and then the, the entree can be something simple. And then the plats, I don't know, beef bourguignon or whatever you're having. And then after that you have salad or maybe you flip it and you have the salad in the beginning and then, you know, cheese and dessert. So it doesn't have to be like massive things, but you know, I think it's, 
it's sort of like this beauty symphony that comes together of, you know, sitting at the table. Having lived in um, the States and then now here in France, do you mind doing that? Is that like something that you, ah, oh, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy this. Yes. So <clears throat> if I'm being 100% honest, you know, during the week, I realized I can be trying to be efficient and quick, especially because I have two, two small children. Sometimes I'm just trying to feed them and get on with the, you know, the nighttime routine, you know, and after talking to my neighbor who was just like, Azri, it's not food, it's dinner. He's like, you haven't been with your kids all day. And I was just like, gee whiz. (laughs) (laughs) And it made me realize, you know, like, goodness, life is just going to move fast and I don't even know what's happening. So, you know, I have been doing that lately where, you know, a couple days a week I have to have a, a nanny or babysitter while I write my book, but you know. Otherwise, I'm here. We sit down at the table and the kids love it. It's made such a difference in how we interact together as a family. Um, And then now, you know, because Sundays used to be like the big meal here. And we've started doing that. Whether we invite friends over or we just do it just the four of us. um, It doesn't bother me. It actually gives me something to look forward to because now I'm kind of like, ooh, what am I going to cook? And, you know, then the kids, I get them to set the table. And so... It's, it's a, it's a total life shift because, you know, I was doing my American way and just loved the gathering at the table when I was inviting a bunch of girlfriends over for an event. And now I'm really shifting that. I like that, that just the change in the mindset of it, not thinking of it like, oh my God, I got to make how much food I have to do yeah. what? It doesn't no, have to, yeah. more so. Yeah. Look at what I get from it. I get time with my family. I get time, you know, to ask questions, to listen, to just spend and share this time. Yeah. And I think for us, you know, while I kind of already knew that, I think the shift happened for me during the pandemic when we were just us, the four of us, we had nowhere to go. So we did have all those breakfast, lunch and dinner together, you know, because there was just, you know, nowhere to run off to. (laughs) And then, you know, I started deep diving into like realizing, yeah, this is like a cultural thing and, you know, it changed our relationship. So like, yeah, you don't have to make it a complicated three course, anything. It could be like, you know, especially for kids, here's some cucumbers for your starter. Then you move on, you know, you bring out the next one. You don't, you can even have it all on the table, you know, like just keep it easy for you. You don't have to make it like this big ballet. into table setting now, Mm -hmm. since you are also a table stylist. If someone wants to set a table for, um, let's say a dinner party, we're just doing a dinner party, where should they start? Well, the number one thing is have objects that you think are beautiful. Sure, when I was in my 20s or something, and if I wanted to invite friends over, I'd be like, oh, I don't have any nice plates. You know, just collect things that you like, even if you're single, even if, you know, so that when you do have people over, you're like, oh, I love these plates. You know, you're bringing them out. Um, and for me, the way I do that is I go to flea markets because I'd rather spend, you know, I don't know, five to 10 euros on a plate that I really love because it's so beautiful versus like, you know, 25, 30 on like a brand new plate or even 20 or even five on an Ikea plate that brings me zero joy. So, you know, that's my opinion. 
So I think you should have the things that go ahead and collect the things that you think are beautiful, that you love. Um, I think the next thing is that you should have some linens, stock some linens, um, you know, set your table with your linens and your plates and your objects that, that bring you joy. And, you know, little tip, 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 do it the night before, do it the morning before. So if you have a lot of stuff going on, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel stressful. So what I'm taking from that, because that question was for the listeners and also for myself, um, one thing I can do to immediately elevate a dining experience in my home is have a, like a tablecloth or a linen on the table. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because, you know, bring out your linen, whether it's a white linen or a colored linen or a print or an antique one you picked up, you know, bring out your linen, bring out your linen napkin. Uh, it's totally eco-friendly and it's, it definitely elevates the moment. I love that. And is there anything that you can think of like one or two things that you can just add to the table to kind of just punch it up or to be different? Um, bring out some candles. I'm not a big lover of tall candles in the middle of the table. I know they're very beautiful and dramatic. If I'm doing a buffet, I use them. If I'm doing a sit-down dinner, I have, you know, little low votive candles um, because I like to see the person that's across from me. Um, go and get some flowers, maybe, and also, you know, keep them low in, at the flea market or anywhere. You can buy these tiny little bud vases, and then you can put, like, a small bouquet and, like, put little flowers on the table, little flowers and little candles. But very Azure Madame de la Maison thing. I like things to be low because I need to see the people that I'm actually enjoying. Is this something that you also do when you go back to the States? Like now when you go home and have dinners with your family or your friends in the States, have you been able to take the table setting, table styling and like introduce or reintroduce that to them? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, But I'm not kidding at the same time because... You know, when I go home, if I'm going to, like, say, my brother's house, my younger brother's house, um, and I really try to, like, push, you know, the way that I now gather at the table and, you know, eat, they are immediately, like, can't be bothered with it. Like, they feel like it's such a big deal, which I'm just kind of like, you guys. I mean, my older brother is a little more receptive to that kind of stuff because his wife is really into this. Um, So I can do it at his house, you know. But, you know, some I, I in the first few years, I'd go back home for Thanksgiving and it'd be like all 20 and I would try to do stuff and everybody would be like, come on, just, uh, you know, let's okay. watch let's some football. Eat, right? It's just eat. a pizza. Eat it up. Exactly. But, um, you know, I have to say my sisters, my sister-in-law, they're both of them are really, they're, they're, they love all of this too. So they've been, you know, they're like, well, Azri's here. So we have to do this. And, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I, I try to sort of like, push it, you know, into their idea of um, how they gather. You know, as Nigerians, we definitely love to, you know, eat big meals. But, you know, trying to push Nigerians to, like, you know, gather with beautiful things, that's something I have to work on. <laughs> They're like, they are the beautiful things that they mm-hmm, gather at the mm-hmm. table. So, yeah, all the fabulousness you need yeah. at the table. How do you incorporate wine into your dinner table setting dinner parties, whether it's just the glasses at the table, the bottle of wine, the decanter, how does that work for you? Um, there's always wine. Absolutely. I love buying champagne buckets 
and which can be used for wine, obviously. I love wine coasters. I like buying all those little things. So, you know, you have the wine glasses at the table. I have coupes at the table because, you know, or, you know, they're from the Apero or maybe you were drinking wine from a coupe. And I love having, yeah, all the coasters and you can find it. Well, now I've sold all of them, but these pretty little wine holders, those you know, I have, a, I have a couple of those that I've sold. Um, and sometimes when it's summer, just, you know, to make things different, you know, when you buy rosé, there's like a wall of 500 different rosés at the store. Yes. So sometimes I'll take like the decanters or the carafes and I'll fill them with rosé because people kind of don't really care what rosé it is, but it's prettier in this like beveled glass carafe. So sometimes I use carafes to serve wine. Do you have a favorite wine? Chablis. I love Chablis. My husband always says you can never go wrong with a Chablis. This is true. Chablis is one of those things that, especially with French cuisine, I mean, outside of you eating like Bouffe Bourguignon or Provence mm. or something like mm. that, everything else is perfect with Chablis. Yeah. Like Chablis, it's good for apricot, yeah. entree plat, yep. with your cheese plate. Yes. Chablis is just it. And when people say they don't like Chardonnay because Chablis is Chardonnay, mm, everyone's listening. I didn't know that. Oh, well, hey, there's a tip. <laughs> because I would say, if you would ask me what I don't like, I wouldn't say Chardonnay. My, quite, that my answer would have been Chardonnay. The Chardonnay from Chablis is so particular because of the soil and the temperature um, of the climate and things like that. So it makes it taste so much different they Mm. also don't use any oak Mm. and that helps a lot too you get a lot more minerality kind of a stony character it's very crisp very clean yeah i'm a fan and people usually are like oh yeah i don't like chardonnay i'm like hold on yeah and then i'll slide it i'll have them blind taste some chablis and they're like this is amazing i want to buy it i'm like ha ha That would be me. You would get me. Yeah, I love a Chablis, and I usually would say I don't like a Chardonnay, but now I have to I have to change saying that I can't there say that go. anymore. You cannot. Yeah. yeah, you cannot. Do you have a red wine that you like to serve? So funny because, I, you know, if you were to ask me 10 years ago when I got here, it was Coteron. I was a Coteron, Coteron, Coteron. And I never drank white wine until I, now I've lived here a while, and I've started to love different white wines. And so now I've just, I've tasted so many different red wines. I, I don't have a total favorite. But you do enjoy it. I enjoy red yeah. wine. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I would say I'm more of a white wine, champ, bubbly person. Mm-hmm. I do drink less red wine. That's very true. But I once had the Chateau Margaux. Remember? Yes. Oh, yes. I'll never forget. I'll yes. never forget. Monique brought us that Chateau Margot, and that that was really good. Yeah, because it has some age on it. You can mm-hmm. tell by the color, and then it had the uh, sediment at the bottom. No. Oh, was... yeah, we did the whole decanting yes. thing with the candle. It was so oh, good. I felt like superficial that night. I was <laughs> like, I am a professional. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. yeah. And that was such a, a fun moment. Mm-hmm. Us all gathered around a table, yeah. eating, drinking, just enjoying each other's company, not thinking yeah. about having to rush off or what yeah. else we needed to do. I love moments like that. Absolutely love moments like that. And I feel like I take those moments more and pay attention to them more here in France versus in the States. Like, I know I had girlfriend time yeah. and it with the girls or whatever. And no, I did that kind of thing. But it's just something about the way it's done yeah. here that I stop and take it all in. Like, 
Wow. Yeah. Like, true. look at life. Whether, even if I'm out at a wine bar or even a restaurant and just the vibe and the feeling of it all, yeah. it's different. It is. I think people tend to savor moments here and they just do it more. You know, they're, they're willing to sometimes my neighbors who live below, sometimes they'll say, Hey, do you want to come for an apero? And let me tell you one little trick. When a Parisian person says, do you want to come for an apero? You're not going home and it's not just an apero. Sometimes it'll be like, you start with the chips and the simple stuff and the carrots. Next thing you know, we're like, you just keep going. And then it turns into apero de natoire. And you're having dinner. Which I'm yeah. also a fan of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of Apropos Dinatois if I know that's what I'm going in for. Yes. Now, if I come over and then you say like, oh, okay, we're just doing Apropos Dinatois. And I'm like, oh, well, we, I'm going to have to call and get a pizza. We'll Uber Eats, <laughs> bring up. I got to eat. Like, this isn't enough. Like, I need to be prepared for to just eat meat and cheese. Yeah. But I, I now figure most of the time it's not. It's a trick sometimes. <laughs> I feel like it depends. When I've done it with French people, then it has gone into other things. Yeah. When I've done it with expats, it's just a cheese plate. Yeah, because also another thing that should definitely be noted is you're not usually going to have cheese at Apero. Yeah. If it's a French person. I think right. it's America for us that Apero means, you know, I had friends here from New York and I asked them to pick up. They're like, what can we bring? I said, cheese. And so I set out the Apero platter and he was like, where's that cheese I bought? And I was like, well, honey, that's for later. <laughs> He's like, you don't eat that now. <laughs> so yeah, you know, that's you know definitely a cultural thing that I see different. But you know, even sometimes now I just, you know, you know, when someone's like Apero, I'm like, well, should we make it an Apero de Notoire? And just like, you know, go ahead and let's call it what it is. I'm glad you mentioned that about the cheese because my next question was going to be, are there any kind of uh, faux pas or mistakes or things that you should absolutely not do? Okay. Things that you should absolutely not do. You should, when someone's having a dinner party, you should not arrive on time. You should give them, a, they call it a quart d'heure de politesse, which is like 10 to 15 minutes. 15 minutes is a quart. Okay. Because the host is ne- or hostess is never ready. Now, this is good information. You should not be on time. I didn't know there was a phrase for it. Okay, what else? So, um, you shouldn't show up empty-handed. Bring a bottle of wine or some flowers. You know, something nice and stuff. Don't show up empty-handed. I tend to like to bring, like, little hosts, host or hostess presents, whether it's a bottle of wine or, like, you know, an interesting mustard or a salt or something that the hosts can save and use later. And some other funny, some funny ones I would definitely say that I had to learn the hard way is depends on who you're with this one, but don't fill your own glass. You're supposed to let someone else fill your glass. But I mean, my friend Patricia would contest that because she's like, no, we should just be chill. Do what you want. So yeah, that's just depends on the situation. So if I'm with certain people that seem a little like uptight and I don't want to fill my own glass, I fill someone else's glass and they'll see mine is empty and then they'll fill mine. And then if you are filling your own glass or someone else's, don't fill it to the brim. Because I was at some dinner parties with some friends of my husband's. And this is when I was filling my own glass and I was filling it to the brim. Because I was like, let me just have some fun here. Go in. And then the next day he was like, your wife sure was having a good time. You know, and uh, alluding to me filling my glass like an American glass of wine. I was like, oh, fill this up. We're going to be here for a while. (laughs) That you shouldn't do. 
And that's kind of like an etiquette thing. You know, I'm not a big stickler on etiquette, but, but also you can think of it as like, you know, why don't you savor the glass? Cause if you're filling it up, you're probably just like filling it up and chugging it as opposed to just like, you're not smelling it, swirling it. It's hard to drink it if it's all yeah. full. Yeah. So, you know, while again, I repeat, I'm not like, you know, Miss Molly's like etiquette school, just think of it that way. Like, you know, let me just have this little glass so I can savor it and slow down. And I would say also, you know, which we already talked about, don't try to skip out on the courses if you're hosting. And don't forget the baguette. It doesn't matter what you're serving. Yeah. Those French people want their baguette. Yeah. This is so true. if you're hosting, the baguette, I mean, somebody's going to say, so where's the baguette? Yeah. But just have the baguette. And... I would say also if you're hosting, don't don't try to overdo it with the food that you're preparing and serving. Big mistake that I've made many times in the beginning, which I don't do anymore. This is not the place for you to earn your Michelin star. You know, you don't need to spend your time in the kitchen. You know, there's been so many meals that I've invited people over and half the time I'm still in the kitchen trying to make something crazy. And then the people didn't actually get to spend that much time with me because I was, you know, stressing about trying to make things perfect. Sometimes you go places and you'll take a bottle of wine and then they don't open that. They open other things. What is the etiquette on that? Can you ask for yours to be open? You can't ask for it back. Like that's well, done. That yeah. wine stays there. <laughs> but can you ask for it to be open? You know, I think it depends on the piece. So according to like, you know, if we're talking Miss Mullins etiquette, you're not supposed to ask them to open it. Because maybe you brought them a special bottle and they're like, oh, I'm going to save this and savor it when I can quietly sit down and enjoy it. And if that's what they decide to do, that can happen. That's their prerogative. If you brought something and you really want, you could say, I brought this. I really want you to try it. I can't wait till we open it. That could be a way to, if you really want to have this wine. I mean, also think of it like, did you bring it for yourself or did you bring it for a gift? Then you could use that line and say, I brought this for you. I'm dying to know what you think about it. We have to, we have to try it. And then if you said it like that, you know, then they'll be like, yeah, yeah. You know, they might be running around and busy, but now you've said it. And you'd be like, I want, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. And then if somehow they forget, be like, did you try that bottle yet? And they're like, oh no, I forgot. Like, Let, let's taste it. Let's see. Those are really good ways to say it. Yeah. Without just being like, uh, you need to open my wine that I brought. Yeah. Cause I'll look at, this depends on where I am. Yeah. I'll look at the wine they have and I'm like, yeah, you, you should open the one I brought because I'm not drinking any of these things you have on the table. Well, see now, especially because you are a wine person and you're bringing, I'm not doing that. I think for sure, if you came and you're like, I'm, you know, let's try this. Yeah. And luckily I don't have that problem anymore because when I do bring wine, people are like, oh, Denisha's here. We're going to open this. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then I see what's on the table and and they're like, oh, would you like some wine? Uh, I'm just drinking gin and tonic. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just pour me a G and T. Yeah. The French do love to talk about wine, you know. They love to talk about wine, almost to the point of, like, snobbism sometimes. You know, my cab that I go to here a few doors down, I mean, sometimes I could be in a hurry, and that guy will not let me out of there. He's, like, telling me all kinds of things. But they just love it. I mean, I know it's his job, but... But you're like, look at my face. I'm not... I gotta... <laughs> trying to... I need to be out of here. Exactly. Yeah. No, but that's, it makes... It makes sense that they love to talk about it because, you know, we are living in a country where, you know, the produces wine, people are, tend to be educated about wine. They start at a young age, you know, being exposed to it. So it makes sense that they want to talk about it. You know, if I love talking about things that I know about. And it's a good way to get into or start a conversation with someone or continue a conversation. Like 
I don't necessarily know French like pop culture. Like mm. I'm not going to know the latest movies or music. But wine, they're like, okay, so I went to Bordeaux. I'm like, ah, now. Yeah, now we're talking. You're in my wheelhouse. Let's get into it. So that conversation I can have. Hmm. And also I can have that conversation in French, which definitely makes a difference. Well, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Any uh, famous Madame de la Maison tip or gem you'd like to drop on us? Um, Okay, well, I mean, I guess one thing I, I would like to share is that, you know, Gathering people at your table, I mean, it's a gift. It's something that you do for for yourself, and it's something that you do for the people that you're inviting over. You're creating this wonderful moment that, you know, it's like I said, gift to yourself because you're creating a moment that you enjoy, but also that they enjoy. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, you know, do that with care. You know, do care about setting the table and, you know, making it nice, using real plates, because um, it shows that you care about the people and that you care about yourself because you want to have a nice moment. And remember it's about progress, not perfection. Um, so if you already have all the things that you like, it doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to just happen. I like that progress, not perfection. And that it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be what you like Yes, and not overdo it. Yes. Do not overdo it. I think that's the perfect way to um, end this interview. Thank you so much. But before we go, tell us where we can find you, how we can support you, because you said book, website. Yes. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at madamedelamaison.com. My website, if you're interested in buying some plates and glassware and things, you know, that I find all across France, it's www.madamedelamaison.com. And if you're interested in seeing my kids sit in boxes and do silly things, I'm at Azri Aki, A-J-I-R-I-A-K-I, on Instagram. Perfect. Speaking with Preeti and Azri made me think back to when I was growing up and I would sit down at the table with my family for dinners during the week. When did we lose that? When did we stop doing that? And everything becomes so rushed. I definitely plan to add the intentionality that they both spoke of into my sitting down, preparing a meal, and table settings. You know I already have wine on the table, but serving it, even if it's just for myself, from a beautiful carafe. A huge thank you to our guests. I really love the idea of this. I hope you did as well, and will incorporate a bit more of this into your life. Thank you for listening to Wine School Dropout. This podcast was produced by Studio Ochinta and hosted by me, Tanisha Townsend. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez. Sound design and production by Luis Lopez and Kiara Santella. Production coordination by Catalina Oyos. Our theme was done by Gabrielle DeMasso. Music is by Makai Beats. Our art is by Tiffany DeLune. Follow us at Wine School Dropout on Instagram. If you'd like the show, Tell a friend about it and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sit back, relax, and have a glass. What's the one thing you've never told anyone? People just like you tell all in a podcast called The Secret Room. If you're a true story fan and you can't get enough of people's most intimate dreams, desires, and shame, you will love The Secret Room. Like Mila's deathbed confession that her daughter's absent father is a movie star. 
or Jen's secret love affair with the man on death row, or the way Joey falls in erotic love with inanimate objects. People all around you carry the most amazing secrets, and you're invited to the secret room for a front row seat to spectacular stories that will touch you, jar you, and amaze you. Search for The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.